From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth Podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. I'm Crash Connell, trying to keep everything working for you. It is Thursday, December 7, 2023, a fresh new podcast. Mary Danielson is here. Good morning. It is great to be here, and I am so blessed to chat with Terry James this morning, someone who's been a real blessing to the church over many years, teaching and writing on prophecy and world events. Uh, just a real encouragement, um, you know, coming alongside the church to exhort, to be watching for the Lord. Today in particular, we're going to focus our attention on the book Nearing Midnight, as it was in the days of Lot, and that is set to release in mid-January. But first, I'm going to read a scripture verse for today. It's a little longer than usual, but I think it's very applicable to what we are talking about today. And then we will pray, and I will introduce Terry. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And then at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him into the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Sobering verses. Oh, would you pray with me this morning? Lord, these are sobering verses for our sobering times, and we pray for wisdom and for uh, insight from you as we see the day approaching. Help us to be about your business, and we ask that you would stamp eternity on our hearts and keep our minds sharp about what's really important. And I, I do lift up our guest, Terry. Thank you for his many years of faithful studying and teaching. Give him grace and endurance during seasons of trial and seasons of joy. And Lord, we ask that you'd protect him and his loved ones. And we pray that our conversation today would edify and build up those who are listening. And in Jesus' name, amen. Terry James, author, general editor, co-author of more than 40 books on Bible prophecy and geopolitics. He's also written fiction and nonfiction books on a number of other topics. Um, the one I'm looking at these days is Trajectory, which is a compilation including such authors as David Regan, Jim Fletcher, Tom Horn, Tom Hughes, Pete Garcia, Mike Gendron, and many others that I know our listeners are familiar with. He's a frequent lecturer on the study of the end times. He interviews with national and international media on topics involving world issues and events uh, such as relate to the scriptures. He's co-founder and gener general editor of RaptureReady.com with Todd Strandberg, the number one Bible prophecy website with more than 250,000 unique visitors and 3 million hits per month. And I am one of those because I've, I've visited myself a few times a week for many, many years. I love RaptureReady.com. Terry, thank you so much for joining me today on Stand Up for the Truth. 
Well, Mary, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very blessed uh, to be uh, invited. And I have uh, a copy here, advanced copy of your book, Nearing Midnight, as it was in the days of Lot. Um, why that title, Terry? What did you mean by that title, Nearing Midnight? Well, um, you know, I think that we are at a time that's uh, most of us are Christians and observe prophetic uh, uh, stage setting, say that we're nearing midnight and that is becoming so dark in its, uh, in its outlook. Um, it is um, a time when we see everything around us uh, getting dark uh, from the from the perspective of um, sin going on in the world. I mean, just for example, the things going on in the Middle East by themselves are enough to say that this is a time of great darkness. Mm-hmm. And so the book's title is to, um, I think, bring people to the realization that uh, that these are darkening times, but they are to be expected because God's prophetic word uh, tells us uh, that uh, these times will come. And Jesus himself, as the subtitle says, as it was in the days of Lot, Jesus himself, I think, gave the the uh, probably the most profound prophecy for our time. He said it's going to be just like uh, in Lot's day when, when things became so bad and... Uh, and Lot and his daughters, and of course his wife, who turned back and looked at, and, and turned into the pillar of Saul. But Lot and his uh, two daughters uh, were taken out of that uh, doomed city, those doomed cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then that very day, uh, judgment fell, began falling, and uh, of course they were totally destroyed. The the cities were. Jesus says it's going to be just like that, and when he is next revealed, and of course that's the rapture. Uh, because it, it says up, leading up to that point, it's um, it will be business as usual, mm-hmm. buying, selling, uh, planting, doing all these things. I could, he could not have been talking about the uh, days leading up to the um, to the second advent mm-hmm. when most of the world has been destroyed. So that's what the book is, is basically about, and the many things that are involved uh, in all of that. Well, that's a very important distinction. Um, business as usual versus the uh, the second coming. Uh, I think people don't realize when they say, "Well, the rapture is at the end of the tribulation." Well, this that doesn't jive. That you cannot connect those verses, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and make that a uh, fit. There are verses that only apply to the rapture of the church. There's verses that only apply to the second coming, and and I think it would do well for a lot of people who maybe wrestle with that to study the different verses, and I think they'll see that they're too distinct. Events, uh, Terry. Before we get to your first chapter on the spirit of Antichrist and lovers of self, I want to tell you this very quick story here. We have clocks in our church on the wall, and we usually go for when we put a clock up, we go for what we call an atomic clock because they keep accurate time and they change automatically with daylight savings, etc. And they normally last a really long time, but one that we had decided to die rather quickly, and we couldn't revive it. We nothing we did worked. And I was about to throw it away, and I looked at it, Terry, and it had died at a minute to 12. Well, of course, having been a prophecy student for so long, I found that a bit amusing. So what I did was I hung it up at the church where we gather to pray before services each week. And I have one clock hanging there that is correct, and I put a sign on it that says real time. And the one that quit, I have a sign under it that says end times time. And it's a constant, it's still up there after, I don't know, 15 years. It's a constant reminder of how late it is. Every once in a while, someone will come in, a guest will come in, and they won't understand why there are two clocks on the wall. And that gives us a chance to explain. But the fact that it died at one minute to 12, that just, That's I think, 
It's just the Lord. I think he, the Lord just That's knows. Very, very interesting. Yep. I think the Lord just knows what we, um, you know, the things that, that, um, that encourage us. And anyway. Yeah, I have a, I have a, I know what you're talking about exactly because, uh, I have a, I'm wearing an atomic watch. Oh. And, uh, so <laughs> I, I love that auto, automatic updating and so forth. So if it stops at one, in one minute to 12, I'm going to be excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and <laughs> I want to mention to people too that raptureready.com has an entire section of, of commentary called Nearing Midnight. And so when you go to raptureready.com in the top banner, there are several options and one of them is Nearing Midnight. And I'd encourage people to look at some of those, uh, updated commentaries that come out very, very regularly. But Terry, your, your first chapter, Lovers of Self and the Spirit of Antichrist. And the first line in the chapter says, this will likely land me in trouble. Um, so Terry, what kind of trouble are we looking at today? Well, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got granddaughters and their and grandsons and things who live by their, their, uh, their clocks, by their phones, their smartphones, mm-hmm. and so forth. And of course, one of the big things we know about about this um, social media and so forth is one of the big things is, is uh, they like to take selfies and they like to like to send them to each other to mm-hmm. show, I guess, how they're aging. I guess at, at twenty years old or whatever they are. <laughs> But at any rate, um, Paul's uh, first uh, indication of his perilous times uh, prophecy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says that people will be lovers of their own selves. Now, I know that's kind of a stretch to just necessarily, you know, put the young people uh, on the spot here by saying, you know, they take selfies and so forth. But it is indi- indicative of where we are on the you know, everything is in social media, for example, is geared to uh, show how how our lives are, are better than other people's. According to what I know, I don't. I'm not on it myself, but but according to everything I've learned about it, so that was that was one thing. Paul's uh, perilous times. He said that would be one of the first indicators of uh, the, the times how close we were to Christ's return would be would be that we'd be lovers of self. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and of course, I think that's just that's just kind of humorous, but it, it is uh, indicative of uh, of what that's about. Um, and what was the other part of that question? Uh, um, uh, well, I was going to ask you um, in in those verses, um, having a form of godliness but yeah, denying its power. Point. That has always fascinated me. Are we talking about? Because uh, I came out of denominationalism. Are we talking about that, or is there something? Different in view, are we talking about the professing church? Because when you read these verses about being lovers of self, it sounds like the world, and all of a sudden you read a form of godliness. How does that fit? Well, you know, for example, you know, um, I don't mean to dis- disparage a Catholic, Catholic church or anything mm-hmm. else, but they have a pope right now that most Catholics are not really happy with. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says things like, you know, there are many ways to salvation. He has come out and said this several times, and that homosexuality should be accepted within the church, and uh, a number of things like that. And uh, so, you know, that's a form of godliness, but certainly not uh, according to God's word. Uh, it's uh, antithetical to uh, antithetical to God's word, antithetic to God's word, I should say. And uh, and so it's. Um, you know, it's just something that we're seeing not only in the Catholic Church, but across uh, across the whole scope of things. We see a more or less, a, I think, a um, compromise 
in our churches today, even even Protestant churches. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and another compromise in the church would be uh, psychology. And we had a mutual friend, Dave Hunt, who right. talked about self-esteem and psychology. And the Brian Call even now is trying to get people to understand that psychology is antithetical to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and I think uh, the whole self-esteem thing, um, that the kids in the 80s and 90s were raised with. How, how do you think about that being a part of this mess? Yeah, that, that, that's a thing. I think that's part of the reason we're in the trouble we're in. Mm-hmm. And they're so easily, um, there's, because of their getting farther and away from, farther away from biblical, true biblical teachings, uh, then they are more prone to uh, what I would call spiritual dementia, you know, and God <laughs> says, the farther you get away from uh, my word, says in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, I'll turn you over to a reprobate mind. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid in America in particular, uh, half the country seems to me at least have been turned over to a reprobate mind, mm-hmm. some of the things we see going on. So, yeah, it's a very dangerous thing. I think this whole um, social media thing is very dangerous because it takes, it has taken uh, the youth in particular, their minds off of, uh, off of God. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it causes them to look to this instant gratification of their selfies and the attention mm-hmm. that they get. They almost, uh, I've heard people say it almost alters their brain a little bit where they expect that and they look, they look for that to affirm who they are and it's led to Terry all kinds of mischief. In the church, and I've, I've tried to come against psychology in the church for many years, but there's psychology and counseling in the church, and people get upset. It's almost like a sacred cow in the church. People get upset when you say, no, it's not Jesus plus something else, Jesus plus man's wisdom or psychology. It's just, it's just the Lord. It's just the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So I think psychology is something that really scares me in the church. And from this has come, I think the second part of that question was Antichrist. Uh, oh, yes, the spirit, spirit of Antichrist. Of, uh-huh. Spirit of Antichrist. And um, so we find that uh, we find that scripture in, in 1 John uh, uh, chapter 4, where it says that, you know, that uh, the spirit of Antichrist, John said, was already uh, among people in his day. We call it, uh, it's called the old, I guess, German word, Zeitgeist, I guess it's called. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the spirit, the spirit of the age, and certainly we seem to we see, seem to see that uh, as, uh, as something that is really running rampant now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spirit of Antichrist is just taking again, taking people's minds totally away from God and putting them on on what I, I think is the coming Antichrist. Uh, it's all stage setting for the coming Antichrist regime, which, which God's word has warned us about. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think about what's going on in Israel today and, and how things are going to get worse for them um, in, in the future, maybe the near future when it comes to the Antichrist, the one uh, that Jesus says will come in his own name and they you, and he they will accept. Um, that's fearful. What's going on there now is fearful enough. But when you think mm-hmm. about what's still to come, it's much worse. Um, it certainly is. Yeah. yeah. And you also mentioned in this particular chapter, evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There is no end, Terry, of uh, demonic deception. I'm thinking of gender identity, woke politics, um, public education, the lies just from COVID. That turned a corner as far as lies. Mm Unbelievable! Yeah, yeah. Do you have, what the, are your the, the spirit, the spirit of uh, Antichrist, has definitely deceived people. That's that's the first that's the first sign Jesus gave. You know, there'll be the great deception. Mm. And uh, Paul, of course, Paul in his prophecy there, as you mentioned, uh, men and seducers will grow worse and worse. And we see that particularly in the political realm in the United States. I mean, we see it all, all throughout. But 
Well, just just to know how that you have, um, and I don't mean to get too political here, but you look at you look at the media, which we call the mainstream media. Uh, all of it is going in one direction, and uh, you know uh, everybody who is not does not follow the the uh, liberal line is is a. Uh, you know they're uh, they're just out of the mainstream according to the media, and yet most of I think most of America still holds to uh, Judeo-Christian values and so forth, and yet we're we're not supposed to do that according to the the mainstream media. And of course, one in my opinion, one party has uh, has not only the mainstream media with them; they have entertainment media. Uh, they have everything that the world offers uh, going in their direction, and uh, it's again it's. Um, it's against, I believe, what the founding, a lot of it is against what the founding fathers mm-hmm. wanted for this country. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because we both lived through times in this world where we didn't have 24-7 media. They, there were no news networks. We watched the news at, you know, 5.30, 6.30, whatever, and that was it. You didn't think about it all the time. You, you knew who the president was, um, but he wasn't, uh, had a microphone shoved under his nose, you know, 24 hours a day. And And, Terry, what do you think about just the whole breakdown of society along with this constant political push and spin um satan's agenda i didn't get that last part we're having a little breakup problem okay yeah as far as the news and and the way we have access to all this information all the time would you consider this part of satan's agenda to to completely bring the world into one way of thinking about politics Absolutely, yeah. It's all stage setting for the coming Antichrist regime now, as we get into the, probably a little further into the questions, but God is still restraining this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is coming a time when the restrainer will no longer restrain as he is doing now, meaning the Holy Spirit, uh, operative within uh, the believer of the church. And uh, can you imagine what it's going to be like then? Because we're already seeing such deception and such uh, absolute lies, out, out and out lies. And. Um, and it's just it's amazing. It's amazing for a guy as old as I am to see these things. I, as Jan Markell, my friend, often says, I, I, I never thought I never thought I'd see this. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So, so we are seeing it. Yes, yes. We had Patrick Wood on a couple of weeks ago, and he uh, he's the expert on technocracy, and he he says that reality is breaking down because of AI. What are your thoughts on AI? Because I think we've take, turned a corner with that sort of. Uh, uh, delusion too. What are your thoughts on AI, and where do you think that's going? Well, I think it's going to be used by Antichrist in a lot of ways. Now, technology itself, I don't see as evil. Technology mm-hmm. is not evil. Uh, technology is something that God has allowed man to develop. You know, God said that uh, we're made in His image. Anything we can imagine that we can do. Uh-huh. Problem is, with the fallen nature, we've imagined some bad things, and the AI is one of those things. Artificial intelligence is something that's going to. Uh, Antichrist is going to be able to, to control most of the world. It's at one point two AI, I believe. Uh, AI itself is, is not a bad thing, artificial intelligence, but the way it is being used by fallen mankind is terrible. And uh, it's, it's, so, it's, it's so dangerous that even the top scientists who have helped develop it are, are issuing cautious. Yeah. Caution uh, about about its further development. Even Elon Musk has mm-hmm. issued a caution about it, and uh, and that's because um, it is uh, it is capable of controlling all of mankind's activity, and and it, that's what Satan wants. He wants godlike power, 
and and his man Antichrist will definitely uh, who is, will be at some point indwelled by Satan himself will want ultimate power, and artificial intelligence will offer that. And I think that's part of where probably the marks and numbering system will eventual will eventuate. Yeah. Uh, Revelation chapter uh, thirteen verses sixteen to eighteen, the six 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 marks and numbering system of total economic control. Mm-hmm. And I think the artificial intelligence is going to be probably a very uh, very big part of that. Yep, yep. And that system uh, will be in place when he's ready to flip the switch. And I and I mm-hmm. do believe that that's why we're seeing so many strange things in preparation. So these are incredible times, perilous times. Uh, you're listening to Stand Up for Truth, Stand Up for the Truth today. My name is Mary Danielson, and we have Terry James with us, RaptureReady.com. Highly recommend that website for all kinds of great articles, commentary, headlines, you name it. Everything is there. Terry, the, the subtitle of the book here is As It Was in the Days of Lot. And so you liken our um, our culture here in America to a culture and society like the time of Sodom. Can you tell, tell talk about more about what you mean by that? Well, again, you know, and I, I want to tell you that I've written on this uh, many times within the Nergamanite column, Rapture Ready. This is one of my uh, very strong, and I believe God has, has uh, prompted me to write on these things with regard to um, uh, this particular prophecy. It's Luke 17, verses 28 to 30, where Jesus says, you know, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the day of coming of the Son of Man. And then it goes on to say that they they builded, they they uh, planted, they they did all of these things as business as usual. Right up to that moment that he's revealed when he took uh, took Lot and uh, his daughters out of Sodom, and then he destroyed the city. They were the only people that he saw righteous in all the city. It was Lot and his two daughters? Everybody had become totally reprobate. And uh, and you you might ask the question, you know, why why? What was so righteous about Lot? He offered his daughters to these uh, raging homosexuals mm-hmm. uh, when the angels came to visit, and as opposed to turning them over uh, and the, the, the angels over to them, the, the, the guys outside there wanting in, um, he offered his daughters. Now, that's not very righteous in our mind, but mm-hmm. God's view of righteousness is how he sees us through his eyes. And, and Lot believed, like did his, his relative Abraham, he believed. And that's why I made what him made righteous. Now you might say, well, what about the daughters? They they weren't righteous. They yeah. when they when they went to Zor, well, they uh, because they didn't think they were going to ever have a man to present children. That they got their father drunk and and had sexual relations with him. But again, God's uh, God's uh, view of righteousness is: Did they believe me? Do they believe I am God? And all that—that's uh, you know. But there's a big, very big lesson there. And most of America, I'm afraid, a lot of America today simply have gotten away, and God is turning us over to a reprobate mind. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how we might relate in America, in particular. Now uh, I know the whole world is that way, but we are the apex nation of the world so far as material blessing is concerned. We've been most materially blessed, and in many ways most spiritually blessed, except for maybe the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. And yet we have gone the way of Cain. We have turned our backs on God. And now uh, God has says, when you do that, I'm going to turn you over to a reprobate mind. Well, what is that? That's upside-down thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you just look at our leadership now. I'm, I'm, again, I don't want to get too deeply into the politics. But I'm telling you, this administration, there is no seeming common sense there. They can't even conduct a, a decent 
press conference. And uh, and so I think God is in his, because that has become the mindset. We have elected that that uh, that kind of leadership. Yeah. And uh, whether whether through cheating or deception or whatever, but they've been elected. And God has, uh, I think, turned America over to a reprobate mind. All you have to do is look at what's going on. Uh, allowing when you when the, sc- the public school systems are allowed to put transvestites uh, in front of even kindergarten yeah. children wow. and public public school very mm-hmm. young children mm-hmm. now that's upside down thinking and then they they instead of the FBI now this is this is not just hyperbole this is truth the FBI rather than going are going to take people who present these kind of things these transvestites and putting them in jail it used to be they were pedophiles uh, now they're minor attracted persons that's yes, what we're going to call them I heard and, that. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but, um, but rather than going after those people uh, the FBI have been s- sent through this administration to arrest parents who protest uh, you know protest this sort of thing in school board for being disruptive and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and uh, to me that is upside down thinking mm-hmm. and uh, that's why I believe America has become a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah. We were the apex nation of the world. I believe God is using this nation as an example of exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's why we are so near midnight yeah. uh, when, when Christ is going to call the church out. Absolutely. And I know in, in Chapter 2 of the book here that's coming out in January, nearing midnight, uh, you have a, a chapter called Sodom-like society, and and from several years ago, actually, these statistics are from several years ago. But some of these, and I, they're worse than they were then. But uh, these say um, just an example of some of the ways that America is just up to her neck in this kind of behavior. Uh, we consume more than half of all the illegal drugs produced in the world. Uh, we spend 2.8 billion per year on internet pornography. Um, our rate of cohabitating partners has increased tenfold since 1960, totaling 12 million unmarried partners today. Our divorce rate is the highest of any nation in the world. 40% of our children are born to unmarried women. We spend $100 billion a year on gambling. I'm sure it's much more by now. Our number one drug problem is alcohol, um, producing 17.6 million adults who are alcoholics or have problems with it. Uh, our nation, Terry, we're debt junkies. Um, government debt, which of course is unsustainable, you know, blasphemy, uh, moral pollution, and pornography enters my mind on that. Israel, um, schools, drag parades and parties in front of children. So Terry, you're spot on about all of these things. You know, we could go on and on about these things. It's kind of depressing, I know, but this is what our country has become. And uh, I think if we people don't see it, I think. What do you think about willfully ignorant in that case, Terry? Well, they're they're more than willfully ignorant. They're they're anti-God. They have gone from being just ignorant of things to being anti-God. Mm-hmm. When you when you uh, when you try to change the order of God's uh, dealings with people, and for example, I'll give you an example: is this all this trans stuff? Uh, they say, you you know, God says, Jesus himself said, you know, man is created, God has created man and woman, male and female created he them. And uh, they are to uh, be married, to become one. They are to procreate, they are to go forth and fill the earth. And yet, uh, you know, this, this culture uh, tells us that, no, you can be whatever you want to be. And if you say otherwise, if, mm-hmm. if a Christian, uh, for example, says otherwise, well, you're hate. It's hate speech. Yeah. And they've even they've even uh, developed legislation against it in some places. 
and uh, it's just uh, it's just a it's a reprobate mind taken to the ultimate. I think. Yes, absolutely agree with that. And what a scary verse! God gave them over. That's probably one of the most frightening mm-hmm. phrases in all of Scripture. But I think, and I've heard other people say, tell me what you think about this, God removing his hand of protection on our nation because of abortion and things like that. We have less than a minute here. My goodness, uh, abortion. Can you imagine how God felt about Moloch and mm-hmm. the people putting putting little children into the burning white hands of a, a stone uh, idol? And, uh, and we've done the same things over and over and over, almost 70 million times now in this country just since Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think God thinks about that? Uh, well, I don't think he thinks very highly. And I think I might talk about that in a minute, but I think that's, that's one thing he's going to make a definite statement on. If you remind me, I'll tell us about that is. <laughs> yes, yes, I will. In fact, we are going to take a break here. Uh, and we will talk about that when we come back. My guest is Terry James, RaptureReady.com. There's a segment called Nearing Midnight on there. The latest article is Armageddon's Triggers. You can look at that. Uh, there are headlines, um, daily headlines updated every single day. And archives, you can go back and see headlines from the past. And they're, they're excellent, called from all over the Internet, a great way to stay up on the news all in one place. Again, raptureready.com, and we're talking to Terry James. Uh, the book, Nearing Midnight, as it was in the days of Lot, comes out in mid-January, and we're very much looking forward to that. So we're going to take a short break here and uh, stay with us for two minutes and come back for more with Terry James. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth for this December the 7th. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Terry James, RaptureReady.com, and author of the upcoming Nearing Midnight, As It Was in the Days of Lot. And we were just talking about abortion and God removing his hand of protection on our nation. Things are getting darker and darker. And Terry, you wanted to talk about a statement uh, from the Lord about this particular issue. I think he's about to make a very powerful statement. Again, our our uh, our website is raptureready.com. So we rapture, we talk about the rapture. We believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, which means that the rapture, Christ's call to the church uh, to come out of this earth, to come to be with Him, will take place before the tribulation, the last seven years of of uh, hell on earth, really, uh, leading up to the second advent. So we're the pre we're pre-trib believers. Mm-hmm. I believe when that happens, when the rapture, and I think it's very close, and I think we're at that nearing at that midnight point. That's that's when I believe the rapture is going to occur when it becomes the darkest, and it's about to become the darkest. I think then um, Christ is going to call the church out, just as He did Lot and his daughters out of Sodom. And uh, when that happens, I believe, and and some of the seminarians or the people in the seminaries would disagree with me, but I don't see. Uh, how they can because of God's character. I believe every child on this planet, every every single one, in, including the ones that have just been conceived, I think they're going to go at that moment to be with Christ when he calls because they are still considered innocent in mm-hmm. Christ. And, you have, and the, the, rapture is, the rapture is a salvation uh, thing. You're either in Christ or you're not. You're not mm-hmm. going if you're not in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, every child below the age of accountability, the, the ability to be able to uh, to know to accept Christ or reject Him, they're innocent in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're born into sin like everybody else, but they're innocent in God's eyes until and, in that, and their names are in the Book of Life. 
And that's what Jesus meant when he said that your name could be taken out of the book of life. And once you've made that decision not to accept Christ, you've been able to understand that. Then your name is taken out of the book of life and put back in whenever you accept Christ again. (laughs) And so I believe every child on this planet is going to go to be with, and I mean every one of them, (laughs) is going to go to be with Christ when they call, when he calls, and uh, and that... uh, God's going to make that statement. He's going to make a statement of just when life begins and what he thinks of of, uh, of the treatment of children and so forth and all these abortions, 70 million abortions just in this nation, mm-hmm. and how lightly we could regard life. I think God's going to make a statement. Can you imagine what kind of, we think the tribulation is going to be bad. Jesus said it's going to be the worst time ever, ever. Mm-hmm. In Matthew twenty four twenty one, he said this is going to be the worst time of all of human history. Can you can't you imagine that uh, the, the removal of every single child from this mm-hmm. planet is going mm-hmm. to cause some kind of chaos? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I believe. Now the the people in seminaries say some of them do, and uh, the great Dr. John Walbert, who's one of my dear friends, and uh, and even he believed this that that First Timothy chapter seven, I believe, uh, it says that if one parent is um, is saved basically. Well, the child will go with it, a saved parent, but the, all children that don't have at least one saved parent will stay. Well, that that just totally flies in the face of all logic to me, as far as mm-hmm. biblical logic and God's character. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't sit at all well with me. And uh, I've studied it now for you know forty, fifty years, and, I, and even as a young child, I believe this. And um, so, I think that God's going to make that statement, and I think that's where. Probably the most uh, the most chaos of all is going to come from. Can you imagine the mothers who lost children, and uh, and everybody else who's still here on this earth? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be horror beyond the belief. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's the statement I wanted to make, and I believe God's going to make. Yeah. And, uh, Yes, and I, I've heard people say that, you know, there really aren't a lot of true believers in the world by population necessarily, so the rapture might not cause as big a ripple as we think. I think it's going to cause mm-hmm. other chaos, and I think in order for people to be able to access their money, their bank accounts, their jobs, and everything, they're going to have to have an ID. Of course, we're headed towards a global ID anyway, um, and... and um, digital currency we're headed that way very very quickly but i think it's going to really ramp it up where they're going to say well we don't know who you are we don't know who's here and who's not and so you have to do this in order to be in society and function in society so yes terry i agree with you completely the chaos and they're going to have ai to help them with that artificial intelligence to help them uh, collect all of this very very interesting business as usual terry and how long what's the point now at which it is no longer business as usual and, um, you know, we're looking at seal judgments and peace treaties and all that sort of thing. We must be so, so close. And I want to just remind the listener, Luke seventeen twenty six to 30, it talks about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage. And then the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, and then it says something different. They bought, they sold, they planted, and they built Two different lists. I think that's kind of interesting. I don't know if there's any significance necessarily to those different lists. What do you think? Well, I think it's just an additional um, telling us that it's going to be business as usual right mm-hmm. up until the time God next intervenes. And mm-hmm. people of people of Noah's flood, they didn't know it either. They didn't know what was coming. They yeah. they they mocked and everything else, and uh, they're mocking the rapture now. Yeah. Uh, I get I get emails every week. I get them every every week over the course of the year. I get a lot of mocking the the rapture. Yeah. 
And, uh, of course, Peter talked about that in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4. I think he said, you know, in the last days, mockers will come, saying, where is his coming? Yeah. You know, as yeah. things were from the beginning, they still are, hadn't changed. Yeah. And so the mocking was a more signal of where we are in God's prophetic timeline, mm-hmm. in my understanding. Yeah, absolutely. There's something out there, Terry, called the doomsday clock. And, and that's always been interesting to me. It sounds very fearful. Um, and you do address it in nearing midnight. You know, we were saying one is a day clock, another man's heavenly timetable, right? But back in 1947, <laughs> a panel of scientists came up with their version of portending the end. Tell us about that. What is the doomsday clock? Well, it's just it's it's, it's of course a um, it's just a uh, an imaginary clock, but it's a, I guess they do have a have a physical representation of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to atomic scientists and so forth, but they, they they said depending on how near they feel that we are to uh, total Armageddon in their view, which is just total all out World War Three, I guess you'd say, and the destruction of mankind. Uh, they set they set the um, the second hand. I mean the the, the clock just with the second hand right next to the. Uh, twelve o'clock mark. In other words, twelve, eleven, eleven fifty, whatever. And depending on how how close we are to the to doomsday, in their opinion, and whether well, if things aren't so bad, they move it they move it back a few minutes, and if it gets worse, they move it forward a few minutes. Yeah. And it's based upon it's based on nineteen forty seven, of course, as you have indicated, is when they when they first. Uh, when they first came out with it, and that was following, the, of course, the, the atomic bombs being used on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in mm-hmm. 1945. That's when they started to realize, well, you know, this, this is maybe a technology that can end all of civilization, and that's when uh, the scientists got uh, they got kind of concerned, and they started this doomsday clock to remind people of that and to affect politicians as they negotiate peace treaties and so forth. And I can imagine that right now they're going to move it forward again because of the things going on in Israel with uh, Hamas mm-hmm. having attacked. And Israel, you know, vowed to uh, to do away with uh, with Hamas and, and even Hezbollah and, and others who are are the evil terrorists of, of, of threatening them over there. So I imagine we're going to see this doomsday clock move forward here shortly. Yeah, and depending on Putin, too, because there was talk of nukes with Ukraine, which is kind of off the radar at the moment because everyone's talking about Israel, but that's still going on over there. I love this chart, area because uh, you have the doomsday clock table in here. Um, it was two minutes to midnight when the in 1953 when the U.S. and the Soviet Union tested their thermonuclear devices within mm-hmm. a nine months of one another, and then it varied. It was 1963. Um, it was it was relaxed a little bit. It was 12 minutes to be midnight because of the test ban treaty that was signed mm-hmm. between the U.S. and Russia, and it really varied over the years. But then uh, the the farthest away from midnight was 1991, 17 minutes to midnight because the U.S. and the Soviets signed. Uh, the SALT um, or START Treaty, um, unilateral cuts in um, strategic weapons. So it's kind of been fascinating to hear what, what they think, what time it is. Of course, we know that it's much later yeah. than that. But. Well, we look at it, what we look at in uh, Rapture Ready and, and is the Armageddon clock, and that's based strictly on God's Word. Mm-hmm. You know, God has given us everything we need to know about how quickly. We are approaching uh, the midnight hour, and just exactly where we stand on his prophetic. We, I believe, as, as most uh, Christian eschatologists do, um, who study from the pre-trib view, is that uh, that uh, you know we we are everything on uh, Israel. Israel is God's prophetic clock, 
And uh, mm-hmm. because he says that he says and Joel, his prophet Joel says in chapter three, verse two, I think it is that because you have divided my land, uh, I'm going to bring the whole nation, world of nations, to the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is Armageddon, uh, that triangular shaped area of Israelin where they, you know, where yeah. all of, some of the great battles have been fought. Mm-hmm. He says because you divided my land. Well, that's what every peace treaty, even Donald Trump. Uh, has proposed uh, uh, certain divisions within God's land. And now they're saying, of course, that Hezbollah, and, and not Hezbollah, but Hamas, has, and got all the college students in the United States back there at Harvard and some of these other places, yelling from the from the river to the sea, meaning from, uh, they don't even know if you ask them what sea or what river, but, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, of course, from the Jordan to the Mediterranean, they say from the river to the sea, and they're, they're calling, you know, for for Israel to be swept ba- basically into the Mediterranean Sea is what they're calling for, and um, and of course this is all of God's land that, that God gave to Abraham. Said that nobody's ever going to take it away, mm-hmm. so He's going to bring all the nations to judgment, and that's an Armageddon clock, and that's how near we are to midnight. Uh, we see Israel right in the middle, right in the center of all this right now, even even displaced to, to some extent. You know Ukraine and Putin and his threats and all this other stuff for the moment, and so. But it all comes together. It's all it all flows together. But Israel's the clock. We have to really watch the Armageddon clock. Right, absolutely. And God in can definitely control of all these things. And it's not the atomic scientists. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you you have a, a chapter uh, six in your book is is ta- is called the powers that be. And and I think we are seeing, Terry, just a, an incredible, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it a deep state, but there are powers that be really calling the shots in this world. Um, yep. You know, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I guess we need to put that banner over the top of all of it. But um, what do you think about when you think of the powers that be in these last days? Well, exactly. I think I think exactly of, of, of um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities against uh, wickedness in the high places. And I believe that includes not only Satan and his uh, supernatural minions, but he has, uh, as as Marx might have said, uh, useful idiots, uh, <laughs> you know, human minions within that cabal that uh, that are de- is definitely uh, controlling the world and trying to... And, and Henry Kissinger had some said some good points maybe, but he was one of them. You know, he, yep. he just died recently, mm-hmm. and uh, and David Rockefeller and, uh, and some of these others. Well, they've kind of turned their they've kind of turned over there uh, when they left. They, they kind of turned it all over to people like Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, yeah. and uh, and some of these others, uh, the UN uh, UN chief. Well, I can't think of his name right now, and some others. And uh, and but they're they're carrying on and uh, and they have many minions that uh, that uh, you know with Satan's backing as we can see mm-hmm. because they have as I said before they have the news the, the world's news media behind them they have entertainment media behind them for the most part yeah. and uh, and so uh, so yeah and then those are the powers that be as as I as I view them. And uh, they're going to they're going to bring the whole world uh, into the stage setting for Antichrist regime to step on the stage. They don't realize it. A lot of them, uh, Satan does, but uh, I don't know how many of the human minions do. Uh, 
uh, they they laugh when you mention Antichrist and that kind of thing. But that's exactly what they're stage setting for. So absolutely, uh, we headed that way quickly. Yes, and they're not shy about their agenda, which is absolutely amazing to me. And I want to talk to you, Terry, real briefly about the, an article Todd Strandberg wrote called "Aren't Hey." It's called "Hey, Aren't You the Antichrist?" And I love this because I was I've been thinking this for a long time, and he says. There have been many times when I've been reading prophetic passages in the Bible, and I wondered how people do not realize that prophecy is being fulfilled right before their eyes. The rapture alone should be a dead giveaway that the last days are here. And he says, it just seems that the Antichrist would have no ability to operate with the Bible describing his true nature. The removal of everyone with a clear knowledge of the end times would be a huge help to him. People should still be able to gain insight by dusting off their Bibles, of course, and reading what's in there, but... He says, if someone comes on the world stage as the most powerful political leader of all time, you would think hordes of people would say, hey, aren't you the Antichrist? Few people will make the connection because the beast of Revelation is generally viewed as someone who is totally evil. But at first, he will not be totally evil. But I love his perspective on that because... um, we will, if the church would be here, we would definitely be able to be pointing to him with all vigor and saying, that's the Antichrist. So I just love yeah. how Todd puts that, and I do believe yeah, that. Todd is, uh, Todd's like one of my sons, and yeah. he's, he's a brilliant guy, and he's he's one that founded Rapture Ready back in 80, 1987. Wow. And and so he's he's been running it ever since. He lives right across the street from me. I, oh. him, so. <laughs> I love that. We, call we call him the Todster. And uh, we have have a, have a good time around here. But he, yeah, he tried to come up with some very brilliant, uh, you know, applications to uh, to where we stand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and uh, that reminds me of the restraining force because I think Terry, you know, the Middle East would have blown a long time ago. A lot of things would have happened a long time ago had not there been this restraining force as a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's not enough knowledge in the church about what mm-hmm. actually that means. There has to be that restraining force. Um, until the rapture, and then the Antichrist can be revealed. And I don't, I don't know why people don't understand that concept, but that is the Holy Spirit's ministry, as echoed by Todd. So I'm really grateful for that article. Yeah. Um, and I'll pass that along. To yeah, you like that? Yeah. Well, one of these days, that the the church, the one who could say, "Hey, that's the Antichrist," will not be here, and and then powerful delusion will come upon the world, and people will still get saved. Um, after the rapture, I do believe that, but uh, nevertheless, you know that force will be gone. So I just, I really enjoyed that perspective he had. One other quick thing that struck me too, I was thinking, my husband and I were talking yesterday about the Antichrist in Daniel seven. He will ch- seek to change times and laws, and this, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I don't really know what that means, but I know that the Antichrist wants to be worshipped. He wants to unite religions and nations and control. Every human. So to me, changing times and laws would probably dovetail with those goals that he has, like holidays would be for him or, you know, uh, the Sabbath would now be for him. Do you have any thoughts on the changing well, of we times? Are, we, we already see that about the changing of times. I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, perhaps it's going to be something geolo- uh, geological. Uh, I mm. don't know. It, hmm. it could be that that. that because the tribulation era is going to be so dark, it's going to change things, and so he may mm. change sometimes in that respect. But as far as laws, uh, the Antichrist, Antichrist spirit is already changing, trying to change laws, like when they're trying to tell a, a parent that you know your your little girl is really a boy, mm. and so we're going we're going to do what we can to help her do that without telling you about it. Yeah. Uh, you know to change, or, or vice versa, the boy to the girl. 
And uh, so, he's, you know, an anti-higher spirit has already got put into man uh, the changing of laws, and that is God's laws, God's ordinances, God's uh, creative way of doing things. So that's just part of the Antichrist spirit, and of course the the man of sin himself, the son of perdition, is going to uh, uh, he's going to uh, manifest that in a singular human being, mm-hmm. ultimately controlled uh, and indwelled ultimately by Antichrist. Yeah, wow, I mean, by Satan. It's fascinating to look into these because you and I both know that we have gotten so much more insight into prophecy as these years have gone by. It's just been, it's just been amazing to see it unfold before our very eyes. And I want to go to, um, you have a chapter about an effort to build back Babel. And I, this is another thing that has fascinated me because I think you and I both know what goes into building a modern city with technology and infrastructure. And I say, um, how quickly can a modern technological city be built today? What do you think about Babylon? Well, you know, that's, that's something that I have not come to any conclusion. Hmm. I, I tend to come down on the side that, that it could be a, possibly America. Now, I know that goes against, because, uh, you know, it just does go against the grains. My friend Mark Hitchcock, for example, has written a book on that, which I've reviewed for him, and, and I respect Mark greatly. But uh, but to me, um, here's here's my problem with, uh, because I believe time is so short, because what we've seen develop, everything is going so quickly toward the moment of rapture, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because it's just, it's just got to be pretty quickly here. And uh, because... Uh, of the things we see developing. So if my thinking is that um, to build a, a nation or a, 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 a city, the, the way that it's described in Chapter 18 of the Revelation, uh, to build one that has influence, literally influence over the whole world, and even, you know, the, the kings have created, you know, symbolic fornication with her and all this kind of thing, and uh, that's part of Mystery Babylon. It's part of the, the, the city Babylon, and so forth. So, so to to think that um, uh, that this can be developed in a short order is just you know we're talking about the tribulation era is seven is seven years long. Yeah. If the rapture begins and the tribulation begins with the signing of the covenant uh, with Israel, uh, Antichrist uh, confirming the covenant in Daniel nine twenty six twenty seven, then there's not going to be much time uh, to build this great infrastructure that's described as, as uh, I mean, just just read chapter 18 and you see what a what a tremendous uh, outreach that that, that uh, city yeah, has. Right. And I, I just don't think it can be. Babylon is basically it's always the way it's been. Now, now, Hussein did start building a little bit there, but it's still just a yeah. minor tourist yeah. attraction. Yeah. And this, to me, it's just not, it's just not feasible to look at it this way. But I do believe that America may be the very, very heart of all this, and I believe that uh, that uh, New York City or something like that could be the very heart of it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, again, I, I can't say for sure, but it's just kind of my thinking because of what I just described. And uh, but but um, it's going to be destroyed in a, in a day, and you know, the merchants are going to sit out there in their ships and lament and moan that they can no longer do business. And so forth. No longer be business as usual, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yet to me, that's that, that's my thinking on it. Yeah, very interesting. I don't know if you've seen. There's a new documentary out about the city in uh, Saudi Arabia called Neom, and it's called The Line because the city stretches from you know 
uh, the uh, one boundary is out of three to the other, and it's uh, it's fascinating. It's going to be uh, it's a planned mega city. Um, the current plans will see the city, which is currently under construction, divided into 140 modules. It's 170 miles wide, and each module mm-hmm. will house 80,000 people. And one of the architects. Uh, said on this documentary, said, if we're successful, it will be the new Babylon. And I thought that was a fascinating mm-hmm. comment. Well, that is fascinating, and it could be something like that. Yeah, but still, uh, they have so far to go to get, and it's in the yeah. desert. they got to have water. and, and it's long, still, long way, it looks long, like. Long, you know? long, long ways. Terry, it's just um, it's just such a treat to talk to you. Um, we only have three minutes left, and I, I want to leave it with something you would like to talk about, something we didn't get to, how people can be maybe more decisive Concerning about the hour or, or something hopeful, hopeful um, you know, something really hopeful from a heavenly perspective. What would you like to talk about in these last couple of minutes? Well, I, what I would like to talk about is I'd like to get the pastors of this, uh, you know, true true Christian pastors of this country interested in looking deeply into Bible prophecy mm-hmm. and then speaking on it. There is practically none who do. You have a few really great ones like David Jeremiah. He's one of my favorites. He's just tremendous. Uh, you know, and then Dr. Robert Jeffress is another, and mm-hmm. some of these. But most pastors, I'm talking about pastors in the little churches throughout America, if they would just realize where we are. Now, their excuses are always, well, I just don't have time to go into Bible prophecy because I've got all these other things. I've got to deal with people's daily problems and, and salvation, particularly salvation issue. Well, the greatest salvation issue facing us is a, is is that being, as we talked about, being in Christ in order to go in the rapture and get off of a doomed planet at some point. That's important, it seems like to me. And uh, and so if I could say anything about discernment, I would ask the pastors to start being discern- discerning because Jesus, you know, he chastised the he chastised the Judaizers, the, the religionists of his day, for not seeing the times they were in. Mm-hmm. They had Messiah standing right before them, and they didn't see it, and they, he was unhappy with them, and he told them, so they called them hypocrites. And uh, and I see the same thing happening even in Protestant churches today, that they just they just will not look at the time and tell the people of the times that we're in, and uh, now not all are like that, but but the majority are, and so that's what I would say about discernment. Uh, you know, start looking into these things and don't be afraid of them because this is this is what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to give them. As Chuck, my friend Chuck Missler used to say, twenty seven percent of the Bible. Is Bible prophecy, and fourteen percent of that is 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 prophecy yet future, so it, it's important. You know. mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I'm thinking of the verse too. When you see these things begin to come to pass, and sometimes I think I've been seeing them begin for a long time. So let's just mm-hmm. begin the end. But that's what that God has to say to us when you see these things. That's what begin. Jesus said, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you begin to come to pass, well, Terry, we are definitely there. We're not only at our time here, <laughs> but we are definitely at, I think, that time where, where the, the normality of life as usual is going to come to a grinding halt. And we, we will find ourselves with the Lord and, and uh, mm-hmm. forever we will be with the Lord. We'll be together too as a family, which right. is something I know we all, we have lost loved ones. I know Tom Horn recently been to be with the Lord and, yeah. and, you know, Pretty you've true. lost, we've lost many loved ones who have been, uh, uh, warriors for the faith. Terry James, RaptureReady.com. Thank you so much, Terry. I hope we can do this Thank again you, sometime. Mary. God bless you. 
Um, so we have uh, coming up tomorrow, Paul Scharf, Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. I know they are headquartered in Wisconsin. Paul has been on many times. We're going to talk about Hanukkah because Hanukkah starts tonight. And we're going to talk about that and uh, other things with Paul. And so we're looking forward to that. Um, please go to our website, standupforthetruth.com, and look up the, the guest list because if there are some in there that, that you like and you want to hear, you can listen to the recent podcast. So guests at standupforthetruth.com. Thank you for joining me today, and we hope that you are looking up. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Have a great day on purpose.